official podcast coverage of OzCert's 2012 conference is brought to you by Arbor Networks. Smart. Available. Secure. Datacom TSS. Discreet. Niche. Tailored. And Sophos. Secured. Hey everyone and welcome to this special sponsor podcast uh, coming to you from OzCert's 2012 conference on the Gold Coast. I am Patrick Gray. Our three sponsors have all chipped in so that we can bring you this coverage and, you know, get everyone paid and, and, and working on it. So we're publishing two sponsor podcasts from each of our wonderful benefactors uh, throughout the duration of the conference. In this podcast, we're chatting with both Arbor Network's Nick Race and Matt Hollis of Vocus about the state of both application and volumetric-based DDoS techniques. As you're no doubt aware, Arbor makes DDoS mitigation equipment. Uh, there's the enterprise stuff that blocks application-based attacks, like attacks that exhaust resources on the target. Uh, and then there's also the telco-grade stuff that blocks the volumetric-based attacks, um, you know, aka bandwidth exhaustion attacks. So we're going to start this one off by chatting with Matt Hollis of ASX-listed connectivity provider Vocus. These guys have some pretty serious tubes, uh, so they're used to seeing a lot of volumetric attacks. Here's Matt Hollis. So Vocus is a company that was set up about five years ago to provide wholesale internet access to telcos and ISPs. So we're now provide, you know, substantial service into New Zealand and Australia, so effectively connecting them, you know, mostly back to the US, but to the rest of the world for, for internet access. Like, for example, we provide 100% of Vodafone New Zealand's connectivity. So you guys are wholesale back-end, you're like core network, basically. Exactly right. And so that was what the business was set up to do since sort of the last 24 months since we listed. We have diversified into data centres, fibre networks in Australia, and now selling to enterprise businesses as well. But only any sort of larger enterprise, not to, you know, SMBs. Okay, so why don't you tell us uh, what sort of headaches your Vocus has actually experienced at the hands of DDoSers um, through its existence? Yeah, so because we provide international connectivity, we lease a lot of capacity on the Southern Cross cable system between Australia, US and New Zealand. And so what we, we saw as a problem early in our existence was, you know, the very large volumetric DDoS attacks come through the US because there's, you know, there's very cheap bandwidth, there's large 10 gig ports everywhere. And it actually, you know, a single attack against a single customer, you know, back in our early days could have flooded our full capacity between Australia and the US and effectively cut all our customers off from their international connectivity. That's the problem with uh, these volumetric attacks often is there's a bit of, um, you know, collateral damage. There's very much collateral damage is very much, a, you know, a major issue. So this is where we, we actually sort of, it wasn't really a decision that we made, it was one that was, you know, literally forced upon us, which was to put, you know, a DDoS mitigation solution in, in San Jose to allow us to basically block and drop in San Jose so that we didn't flood our Southern Cross capacity. Now, mm. while our, you know, our capacity in Australia, New Zealand and the US has increased, you know, fairly substantially since then, what we've found is that's been a brilliant strategy because all the DDoS attacks we see all originate through the US and our ability to drop them there means no collateral damage for any of our other customers, we're sort of getting to the point now where, you know, a lot of our customers don't even notice that, you know, an attack's been made against them, we've blocked it, and, you know, they've just happily gone on about their business. But is that, I mean, that's kind of a funny thing, isn't it? Because what you're trying to ensure is availability, and that's just generally what people expect from their upstream providers. I mean, how do you turn this into something value-added that people, you know, that, that 
apart from the uptime thing, I mean, how do you actually turn this into something where people are like, awesome, I'm getting DDoS prevention? I mean, they just sort yeah. of expect the, the availability these days, they, don't look, they? They, they? They certainly do, even though I suppose not everybody provides it still. So where we see the real value is, is where we have customers and, you know, we've got a good example of we had a customer in December, I think they had a 200 meg link from us and they were, they were, they were targeted, you know, very specifically with a, you know, a 300, it was about a 300 to 500 meg DDoS attack. So not very large in the scale of things. That's a and few it, packets though. <laughs> yeah, look, look, it is, but, it, but in, the scope of, in the scope of our whole network, it's not something that alarms to us. Hmm. So, you know, we don't have triggers. You know, if it's under 500 meg, it could be just, you know, our customers, you know, increasing the utilisation. So they, they, they rang us up and said, okay, look, you know, we're getting tacked. Our, we've just flatlined our port. We said, so they, they spoke to the NOC. The NOC jumped onto it, you know, got onto our, you know, DDoS mitigation platform, played the game of, you know, there's, there's a little bit of, you know, cat and mouse between the attacker and, you know, trying to work out the right mitigation. But, you know, they, they sort of wrapped that up in about 30 minutes, and that wasn't 30 minutes of outage. That was 30 minutes of sort of the attack spiking up and down. Mm. Um, so that's the real value add. So where we see, you know, we've seen that very same scenario numerous times played out in the media where, you know, that customer's off air for a whole day. Um, you know, E-Trade's a great example where, you know, they got targeted by, you know, it was it was literally the same um, the same botnet attacking them, you know, the same uh, one where you, you, know, you pay dollars to uh, buy attack traffic. And, you know, they were taken out for, I think, you know, nearly two or three days. So having that capability in San Jose and knowing how to use it has proved exceptionally valuable for our customers. So is that what it's really about for Vocus then? Is it's about being able to differentiate yourself from the competition by being able to offer, you know, basically a stronger uptime guarantee? Look, exactly right. You know, IP Transit, the price per meg has been dropping massively over the last three years. It's becoming, you know, highly commoditized. And, you know, at the same time, while the price drops, the volumes are, you know, increasing. So what we're seeing is, you know, it's becoming a lot cheaper, a lot bigger pipes. Uh, you know, we think this, this, you know, DDoS is just going to become worse and worse. And, you know, we're sort of doing everything we can to be, to be a leader in the space so that we can add that, that extra level of value to our customers. Now, volumetric attacks, are they on the increase or on the decrease? Because we know that uh, application-based stuff is, you know, uh, the, the attack du jour, if you will. Um, you know, is the, is the volumetric stuff starting to drop off or is it still quite uh, popular? Yeah, look, we're certainly, we're certainly not seeing it drop off. And I think, you know, maybe Australia's been a little bit, we've been a little bit slower to see the same sort of volumes that they have in other parts of the world. But we still see consistent numbers of attacks particularly where there's, you know, there's these botnets you can just go and rent for as little as $50 a day to have you know, up to a gig of attack traffic directed at someone. So How much, so how much is that 50 bucks a day? Because you know, occasionally my bank annoys me. You know? <laughs> yeah, exactly <laughs> it might, right, be, it right. might be a good way to take a bit of revenge. You can see how the, you know, it's, not a, it's not a high barrier to entry. In fact, it's an exceptionally low barrier to entry. So mm. we're, seeing that, we're seeing a lot more targeted DDoS you know, and, and a lot more extortion-based DDoS where yeah. it's basically you know, pay us this money or we're going to you know, try and knock you off. Um, you know the extortion amounts aren't very high, but you know it's only costing you fifty dollars a day. You don't need to get, you don't need to win too many of them. No, that's right, that's right. I mean, it's 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 a pretty standard MO that's been around for a while, hasn't it? So mm. I, I can't anticipate that it's going to uh, disappear. Now, how much do various telcos actually cooperate uh, when it comes to to mitigating volumetric DDoS attacks? Yeah, so typically, you know, you tend to work with your upstream providers and. We don't really, because we don't see issues originating in Australia, we don't sort of have needs to work with our streams in Australia, you know, our, the domestic gang of four, for example. But, but in the US, you know, we have a number of upstream providers there that we work with. 
and they're very, they're very good. Like lots of them run the same, you know, DDoS mitigation platform that we do. And in fact, we are, we can share data between our systems. So this is so, a, this is an Arbor thing, isn't it? Where you've it got exactly um, right. yeah. some sort of what is it, Peakflow or something? Peakflow, exactly right. Peakflow is the, the the platform that we have in place. And you know, the great thing about and I suppose the key reason to buy Arbor for us was that you know all our upstreams use it. So you know, we can ring them up and say, hey, look, we're seeing this. They can say, yeah, we're seeing that too. We're saying, can you make that go away? Effectively, I mean, we we're at the point now where we have a you know I suppose a ten gig port sitting idle in the US that we you know typically our first strategy if we're getting attacked is to dump the attack traffic you know into that port uh, you know so we keep the rest of our sort of primary ports free we dump it into a ten gig port obviously the attack's bigger than ten gig you know some of it falls on the floor which is fine by us um, and then that allows us then to you know work with it if we need to mitigate it. Uh, we, you know, we do work with our upstreams. There's, there's, there's usually, you know, somewhat of a lag. Like, we, you know, typically we need to take action straight away. Then, if it's large and sustained, we'll then talk to upstreams to, to assist us. How, uh, what, what sort of percentage of, of businesses of the scale of, uh, of yours are actually investing in DDoS mitigation? Are there any large uh, uh, connectivity providers out there who aren't looking at this? Yeah, there certainly are. There certainly are. I mean, I don't think any of the scale that we're at, you know, you'll find that, you know, the people at our size typically do have it. Uh, how, how good they are at using it, how experienced they are, I think is another question, given we see their customers going offline. But certainly the sort of very much the tier under us, we see a lot of them, you know, still looking at it, still just about to enter the water. Whereas, you know, what we've found is sort of, you know, from two years of, two years of having this in place, it takes about two years to get really good at it. Mm. You know, it's, it's, it's very complicated and as good as the, the gear is that you buy, you know, there's just no substitute for experience. I suppose I, I, I'm kind of curious too to see what sort of customers you're signing up who care. You know what I mean? Like who really gives a shit uh, about this stuff? Is it, is it data center operators? Is it uh, enterprises? I mean, you know, who, who, who cares most? There's two, two categories that care, hosting companies and finance companies. It's, it's that simple. Everybody else is absolutely, you know, meh about it. They're not interested. People that are hosting websites that are, you know, very big targets, they care immensely um, and they usually care because they've felt the pain. You know, someone's attacked them, it hurt, so they're exceptionally interested. And financing, anyone in the finance industry at the moment, they seem to be a particularly hot target, you know, and it's a... Uh, Everyone in the industry seems, you know, hyper focused on it at the moment. So they're they're the ones that are interested. Everybody else is still, like I said, you know, they sort of think it's one of those things that won't happen to them. Yeah, well, we know what happens with, uh, yeah, we know what happens with that uh, sort of thinking in uh, all things security. Uh, Matt Hollis, thank you very much for joining us uh, on Risky Business to have a bit of a chat about uh, volumetric DDoS attacks. Thank you. Matt Hollis of Vocus there chatting about volumetric DDoS attacks. But it's not just massive botnets that can knock down online properties and networks by throwing a lot of traffic at them. Application-level attacks emanating from smaller botnets can have debilitating effects too. Arbor Network's Nick Race joined me by phone to discuss app-based attacks. Here he is. Certainly in the Australian market this calendar year, there's been quite a bit of press uh, around attacks um, at the application layer. So there's been a number of financial institutions who, who have had um, attacks um, on them which have brought their, their infrastructure down, which were very small uh, in volume but targeted at that application layer. 
And I mean, what are they mostly doing? Are they trying to target really uh, computationally intensive database operations, things like that? I mean, how, how do these application-based attacks actually work? It's interesting how you can target different pieces of uh, an enterprise's infrastructure. I mean, there are other security devices such as firewalls, IPSs, load balancers, etc., which can be used for defense against um, attacks. But in point of fact, they're actually um, stateful machines, and you can actually exhaust the state of those machines themselves. So we've seen quite a few instances of firewalls falling over first um, under attack conditions because of um, the, they, they fill their state up too quickly. You just uh, uh, fill up the state tables and then they, then they drop like a sack of uh, potatoes. Exactly. And another good example of that is the slow loris attack vector, which targets websites. And again, that's similarly trying to exhaust the number of connections on a particular website. So it opens a connection and very periodically over a you know, five-minute period, it just sends a small query just to keep that connection alive. But more importantly, it keeps adding more and more connections until the web server falls over. So that's an example of an application layer at the, at the web server level. How prevalent is this sort of stuff? I mean, because we're often hearing about these big botnets and, you know, you see guys bragging in IRC, I've got, you know, X, X gig per second that we can throw at you, whatever. Uh, but how prevalent are the application-based stuff? Because I know Slow Loris is kind of um, in, it's kind of fashionable with the, uh, with the anons, uh, but is, it, is this sort of approach becoming the, the more common approach in, in knocking a target offline? Yes, I, th I think it is because of um, with a very small amount of firepower, you can actually take down uh, a lot of infrastructure. So the other one that um, that has been used in the Australian attacks uh, earlier in the year is the Dirt Jumper botnet, and in that example there. Again, it's actually just trying to uh, attack the, the back-end state of the, uh, of the web servers. But the number of um, uh, bots within the botnet is actually relatively small. Uh, how many customised attacks do we see? Because I understand there have been DDoS attacks in the past which go after like a web query. They'll post some awful post request that, that has the, the database doing backflips and they'll just keep hitting it and hitting it and hitting it. Do, do we see much of that stuff or is that like getting a little too advanced for these guys? No, it's not advanced at all. I mean, um, that, that, that is very customised, like you say. Typically what they'll do there is they'll go around and scan and look at particular um, web servers and see the type of responses that they're getting back. So it's kind of what they call like a, an amplification or a reflective amplification attack, where by sending a small packet you get a large response. We've seen those uh, in spoofed scenarios where you can actually use, say, a DNS server to actually reflectively attack um, the, the spoofed IP address. So and obviously there's lots of DNS servers around the world which are, you know, carrier grade and all the rest of it. So they have the ability to actually fire quite a bit of uh, attack traffic at the, uh, at the spoofed uh, IP address. Now, I understand that, uh, you know, Arbor is a business that uh, very much has its roots in the carrier space uh, because, you know, because of the history of DDoS attacks being largely around, uh, you know, uh, bandwidth exhaustion. Uh, but I understand that you guys in recent years have started moving uh, into making more enterprise-based gear because of these sort of application 
Uh, attacks. Is that correct, Nick? Yes, absolutely. And I think it also plays into the fact that we're going towards the, the cloud computing model where data centres now um, are becoming larger and are actually contributing to the majority of the traffic on the internet these days. So in addition to the, the work we've done with carriers around the world, we're now producing products for enterprise owners and operators to actually defend their data centres. And this obviously can apply you know, not only to sort of public cloud, but also to private cloud as well. It's a sad state of affairs when the first thing to drops your firewall, though, isn't it? I mean, do you think this is um, an area where the firewall manufacturers, because they've kind of been identified as a bit of a weak point here, do you think uh, DDoS prevention is an area where more traditional enterprise vendors are going to compete with you guys in, in, in the future? Yeah, you, you are seeing announcements from vendors of other pieces of security equipment, such as firewalls and IPSs, adding some DDoS capability, um, and certainly at the application layer. But again, if the fundamental um, piece of infrastructure is a stateful machine, it's still very vulnerable. So we've produced a, um, a standalone uh, appliance, which we are suggesting you put in front of your firewalls and your other security infrastructure. So effectively, we're the first bump in the wire, and we're a stateless machine, such that we are not um, vulnerable to those types of attacks. Well, it's an interesting idea. I mean, I, I got to admit. I mean, we're we're kind of straying into talking about uh, product specifics here, but it is interesting that uh, essentially what you guys are making is a firewall for your firewall. You can think of it in those terms. Yes, yeah, certainly. I mean, you know, security is all about security in depth, and um, you know, each of the of the products available on the market, you know, do a specific job um, and, and have a have a rightful place in that security in depth. But Arbor's really been all around. Uh, DDoS, and that's really our speciality and our niche, and we feel that we're in the best possible place to, uh, to pr provide protection for enterprises. All right. Well, Nick Race, thank you very much for taking out some time to chat to us here on Risky Business. That's a pleasure.